Hello, everybody. Welcome uh, once again as we continue on in the study that we're doing through the New Testament together. We've been at this a long time, um, and that's good, and we have a long time to go because I want to finish the New Testament, do the Old Testament. I always tease you that there's, we've got 16, 17 years left planned out to, to get it done. We're well over three years into the New Testament, um, but we're, we're really starting to you know, clip some of the books off now pretty quickly. And uh, most of the bigger books are finished. Um, and so a lot of these will go fairly quickly as we move through them. Uh, like in, in tonight's case, we're going to do the book of Philemon, which is just one chapter. Uh, it's a letter that Paul wrote. Um, um, very, very short letter. In the actual Greek, it was 335 words, this letter. And, uh, you know, in our study so far, we, you know, we went through the Gospels and, and uh, we looked at the ministry of Jesus, obviously, and then we looked at the book of Acts, and we, we, we saw what, how the early church started and, and what it was doing and what it really continues to do. And then from there, in the book of Acts, we had spent a lot of time talking about Paul's missionary journeys. And so springing out of Paul's missionaries' journeys, we're looking now at the letters that Paul wrote. And in effect, um, Paul wrote a big chunk of the New Testament. Um, and that these letters he wrote were, by and large, to churches... Um, new churches, brand new churches that he'd started that were going through situations um, uh, and, and, uh, and so he was writing back to situations and uh, helping them through um, their, whatever they were going through. And we just finished the letter to the Colossians and we saw how the Colossians were dealing with a group who had shown up who was, uh, who was trying, they were called the Gnostics and they were trying to say that, that Jesus wasn't enough and that you needed you know, more than Jesus and, and uh, um, the, the same sort of teaching actually still flies around today sometimes and Paul just refuted it all and, and he calmed down the situation um, but in that letter he mentions um, Philemon and, um, and then this, this letter is written to Philemon about Onesimus in effect mostly that's what the letter's about and we'll, so we'll talk about it it's a fascinating letter deals with a couple of uh, pretty important subjects and um, most likely this letter was also delivered at the same time the letter to the Colossians was. The, the church in Colossus actually met in the home of Philemon. And so there's a, the, there's a connection to the letter, and that's why I went to this letter next, right after fin the, finishing the letter to the Colossians. Um, so this letter would have been written 62, 63 AD, uh, somewhere in there, um, and while Paul was in, in that prison setting in Rome that we talked about the other day. Uh, it's a very personal note written to Philemon who was um, a, um, a very kind of wealthy uh, Greek landowner and, and uh, it was written about Onesimus um, who was actually a runaway slave um, and was um, Philemon's runaway slave and there's the issue that's going on and uh, I think you'll see um, one of the things I love reading about letters like this is that, that um, God uh, has a special connection with runaways. Um, throughout scripture, there are dozens of people that were prone to flight. Um, Adam and Eve, you know, tried to elude God by hiding. Jacob, uh, you know, escaped from his brother. Generations of people, of God's people were on the run. Um, most of the inner circle of Jesus' disciples ran off and... Uh, and, and so um, I think that this, this, uh, this love for um, runaways is really illustrated well in the life of uh, this slave named Onesimus. 
And uh, we're not told why uh, Onesimus ran away from Philemon's house in Colossus. Um, eventually, though, uh, he was uh, united with Paul in Rome. He, he, we don't know if he sought Paul out or they just ran into each other or God arranged a meeting. But um, he had known uh, Paul from before. Paul had um, met with them at some point previous. And, uh, and yet we, we just don't have details. We would like, it would be, it's a, sometimes people add a lot of details that we just don't have to the story. Um, but it's 335 words in the Greek. That's all the detail that we get. And we get a little sprinkling of information from some of the other letters, but, but not much. Um, but, but Paul writes to us that at some point Onesimus, um, this runaway slave, becomes a follower of Jesus. And in Colossians 4, in that last chapter we looked at, Paul actually calls him a faithful and beloved brother. So he came to know Jesus uh, and he, he caught on fire for the Lord and he was very helpful to Paul, as we're going to see. Um, but eventually uh, Paul and, and Onesimus uh, decide that it's time for this runaway um, to go back home and uh, to deal with this situation. And so Paul basically is writing a letter of explanation to his friend Philemon, um, uh, assuring him that uh, Onesimus would, would uh, serve him wholeheartedly now. And although the culture of that day would have given um, the, the master of that slave complete control, and um, really a, uh, a runaway slave would have faced severe punishment in most cases, um, Paul challenges Philemon to think of Onesimus now as more of a brother than a slave. And, and Paul actually took personal responsibility for any restitution that, that Onesimus might, uh, Philemon might require of Onesimus. And so um, as difficult as it was for Onesimus to face, he had to go back and deal with what wasn't right in this situation. Uh, and, and so he had to, because this, this is important, he had to face his old life as a new person. And the reason that's important is because all of us, in effect, will have situations where we have to do that. So let me read you uh, this brief letter. You can follow along. I'm going to read out of the NIV. Um, uh, there's some of those on the, on the rows or whatever translation you might have or it's in your notes. You can just read along with me. Philemon, chapter 1. What's the only chapter we got? 25 verses. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he's become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Perhaps the reason he was separated you from a little while was that you might have him back for good, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you. 
both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done anything wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay, so let's dig into this a few verses at a time. The first three verses there, as I said, Philemon, he's a, he's a wealthy Greek landowner, landowner, landowner who lives in Kalos. And uh, he had come to Christ under Paul's ministry, and the church there, the Colossian church, actually met in his home. It was, it was fairly common in the early church for churches to meet in houses because they didn't have buildings yet. Uh, it was a new thing. And uh, actually, church buildings don't come along until the late 300s, 400s, uh, early 400s, when um, there's sort of a shift in the government at Rome and they start, instead of persecuting the church, they actually embrace it, which really wasn't all that good for the church. But nonetheless, uh, that's what happens. And then all of a sudden, all buildings start popping up and we can trace you know, that historically back to there. But in the early church, very common to meet in homes. Um, the church was often persecuted, and, uh, and so it was just a better situation for them to meet in per- people's homes. Um, it's thought that Aphia uh, in this story is Philemon's wife, and Archippus is his son, and that um, they're being included as recipients of this letter so that they'll hopefully also receive Paul's advice regarding Onesimus and this situation that we have. Um, and so I, um, these next three verses are some of my favorites, and then we'll talk about the situation a bit. Four through seven. Because um, Paul writes something about Philemon that I think should be something that all of us are shooting for in our relationships in Christ uh, with others. And look what he says about Philemon. This is Paul, what Paul says about Philemon, this, this, uh, this wealthy Greek landowner. He says this in verse 7, Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Can you imagine how cool that might be, having that said to you by the Apostle Paul, that you have refreshed the hearts of the saints? I just think that's, that, you know, if you're, if you're shooting at something, that's a pretty good something to shoot at. Lord, I want to be known as one, as, uh, as one that refreshes the hearts of the saints. And uh, wow, that's just, uh, to me, it's, a, it's just the, the, the neatest thing to see happening. Um, and it, it talks um, uh, in great detail about, uh, it says about how much Philemon was doing for the church there, but, but all over. And, and uh, um, you know, what, what, what uh, a difference he was making in the kingdom of God. All right, so, so we, Paul kind of says hi and, and says hi to Philemon and says, look, I'm writing you this letter. Here's the situation. Let's, let's get it out on the table and let's deal with it. So in verses 8 through 22, Paul, in effect, is making a compassionate plea on behalf of Onesimus. Um, Paul could have um, 
maybe, you know, really just tried to assert his spiritual authority. He was, you know, the apostle. He led this guy to the Lord. He, he could have just, you know, um, you know, sort of commanded, uh, if you would, Philemon, to um, deal with Onesimus. But instead, that's not how Paul did things. Um, what he does is he bases this plea, this request, um, and, he, and he bases it on Philemon's relationship to Christ in hopes then that Philemon will do the next right thing in response to that. That regardless of what the culture says he ought to do or what the situation seems to warrant or merit um, culturally, which is a bad situation anyway, which we'll talk about, um, but that, that uh, Paul is asking Philemon, rather than do what everybody else would do, I want you to do something different because of your love for Christ, because of your love for the saints. Uh, I want you to do the next right thing in the way that you handle this situation with Onesimus. And uh, another thing about this, Paul uses a, a, a neat wordplay here. It's, it's one of my favorites. Um, Onesimus actually means useful. That's what the name means. And, and Paul said that, you know, before uh, Onesimus hadn't been very useful to Philemon, but now he'd become extremely useful both to Paul and to Philemon. And the thing was that, that knowing him now as a brother uh, uh, in the Lord, uh, he would be a lot more useful than he had ever been. But... Uh, but so if you, if you, if you ever, Onesimus means useful, which is kind of an interesting thing. And uh, so uh, I use that sometimes. I, I'll tease my son with them and I'll call him Onesimus. Or I'll say something like, really, at this moment, you're not being very Onesimus to me. <laughs> but no, I don't have to say that very often. Mostly he's, he's extremely Onesimus to me. So, um, and, and really Paul loves Onesimus and who he's become in Christ and uh, wants to keep him. Um, would love for him to stay with him, um, but he knows that the right thing for him to do is to send him back and have him deal with this situation um, the way it needs to be dealt with. And so um, he's, he's asking that Philemon would accept him not only as a forgiven runaway servant, but also as a brother in Christ. And <clears throat> this is, this is uh, what I think is worth talking about for a minute. Um, when God finds people in flight, people running away, he often um, heals them up, gets them, gets them settled, uh, and, then, and then he has them go back and deal with whatever it was they were running from. Um, because it's not, a, it's not a good way to live. Uh, running from things that you really need to deal with is not a good way to live. And what I just thought I would run by you uh, is, is this, that as, as God has become real in your life in Christ, um, how you viewed things from your past, which I say, you know, no guilt and shame anymore, but your perspective on those things ought to change. And, and you know, I think it's um, worth constantly digging into, are there things that still need to be resolved? And, and uh, is that something that you need to do? And, and some, you may not, but sometimes there's things that um, really need to be resolved. I, I always tell people this, look, if there's something that um, sort of haunts you, or if there's something that you live in fear of, that if it were to catch back up to you again, then every, that at some level we probably need to figure out how to face it. So that, because you shouldn't live, that's a terrible way to live, like always looking over your shoulder. And, and, uh, and so some of those situations can be addressed. Sometimes it's hard, um, but, um, usually always worthwhile uh, just so that you 
can be free from it. And again, I don't want to cover that in a, in a blanket thing because the situations are, are different, but I've uh, had quite a few people that have had to walk back into situations that they'd run away from that were very scary to face. Um, and, and sometimes even there were consequences in going back and facing them. But on the other side of it, they have their life back, a, you know, a life without the fear. And it's a much better life than the one of, if this catches me, I'm done. And so, I, you know, I always encourage people, are, are there things like that that maybe you never thought you might have to face, but that you probably could face and, uh, and should face? And that was this situation. And think, you know, that's scary. Um, for Onesimus, he, he ran off. We don't know why. Um, which he shouldn't have done, which is an extremely punishable offense at the time, culturally. And yet, in the process, he's come to know Christ. His life has changed. He's now a big part of the body of Christ in Paul's ministry. I mean, think about it. That's got to be where things are happening. Paul, even, you know, in prison in the house, has still got all sorts of stuff going on. And uh, he's a part of all that. And yet, the reality is the time has come, and we've got to go deal with this situation um, and, and face it. And so... Uh, um, you know, I just think that there are things now, and, and here's the other neat thing too. Uh, in Christ, um, hopefully there are things maybe that we would have run away from in the past that now we know we can stand and face because he's with us and he's for us. So these are some things to think about, I think, in the process. Now, let me say this too. At the time of the early church, um, slavery was widespread throughout all of the Roman Empire. Um, and, and let me just say this. It was then and it is now... Um, uh, a repugnant evil in the world. It, it devalues human worth and, and it should not exist and we should do everything that we can to continue to try and wipe it out. Um, unfortunately, slavery still goes on in the, in the world around us. Um, 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 oftentimes in this, the, the runaway um, sex trade and, and we, we try and block that out but it's real, it happens and it shouldn't happen and it was a horrible thing then and it's a horrible thing now. Um, it was widespread then throughout Rome um, and I, I'm not saying it was right, just saying it existed. And um, Paul, see here's what Paul did in, in light of it, since he couldn't, he couldn't change it, um, you know, there was, there was no ramification to it at the moment except for what he did. And this is how, uh, how often we change evil uh, institutions at work. Um, we introduce the light of Jesus into the darkness. And so, in effect, what Paul was doing was, was bringing Jesus into this situation in the heart of both the, the, um, the slave and the slave owner. And saying, look, I want you to relate to one another in Christ. And, and, and then it begins to restore the, um, the, the truth of life and the, and the, the goodness of life and, the, and all those things. So the good news changes the world as it changes the hearts of people. So that's what we need to know. That, that, that's, um, we are far more effective... Um, even, even with whatever clout we might have as the church worldwide, um, our, our most effective uh, tool in changing the world for good is by getting people to Jesus. It is by far the most effective tool we have, telling people about Jesus and, and wooing them into the kingdom because that's light breaking into the darkness. The darkness is everywhere, but light overcomes darkness. I... I, I 
I know I just said this the other day, I don't know if it was a Wednesday night or when, but one of my favorite things about Christmas Eve services is the candles when we let everything, we let the room go dark and we start lighting those candles one at a time and the first candle dispels the darkness at some measure and then as that light spreads, the darkness goes away. It's overcome by the light. One candle being lit at a time. I love the picture. That's, it's, a, it's a picture of, of Jesus um, entering into this world a person's heart at a time and it changing the world around us because that's where change happens when, when people are changed from the inside the Holy Spirit can change hearts and lives and so um, this is how Paul is dealing with a terrible situation at the time because that's how they could deal with it and, uh, and it had the impact um, and, and continues the, the, the evil in the world today is, is the, the best way that we change it is by introducing people to Jesus that's the best thing that we got going. The last few verses um, there in Philemon uh, are just sort of a, an extended greeting. And uh, he, he, he brings up some folks. But I like um, this, the people that are hanging out with Paul at the time. Um, Mark is back with him. And uh, he had been with Paul and Barnabas on one of those first missionary journeys. And then um, we also saw how he'd left, but they'd been restored. And, and Mark, uh, is that Mark that he's talking about is the same Mark that writes the Gospel of Mark. And also with him at that point in time is Luke. And Luke is the guy, as you know, who wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. Um, and so he's got a, uh, it's a pretty big group, right? There with Paul is, is, you know, three of the guys that write a big chunk of the New Testament. So that's a under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That, that must have been a pretty interesting group to hang out with. And Onesimus was hanging out with those guys. So imagine how hard it was. I don't know if you can if you try and picture how cool it would be to hang out with those guys and then you gotta go back and deal with something difficult, but, but it was the right thing to do. I'm sure he would have much rather said, I'll just hang out with you guys. You're right in the, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're on it, you know what I mean? They're on the cutting edge of this thing. Uh, it had to be a really cool deal, but he had to go back and, and God honored that too. And I, uh, I'm, I'm looking, he's one of the guys I'm looking forward to meet, both these guys, and see how this worked out uh, at some point in time, you know, maybe 10,000 years in. <laughs> I think we're busy for a little while, just going, yes, and then, hello, how are you? <laughs> I don't know, just a thought. I don't have that figured out either, <sighs> along with a wealth of other things. But anyway, that's... Uh, that's the book of Philemon, and uh, I, I think there's some neat stuff and some great things to consider, and, and uh, so we're done with that. If you're watching my video, thank you so much for spending these moments with us. We know how valuable your time is. We appreciate you very much, and uh, we hope that you'll uh, watch again soon. Come and visit us if you're in Big Pine, and uh, we're here a lot, so uh, you can go on the website and find out our times and hours. If you need prayer, again, use the website and uh, send us a prayer request at keysvineyard.com, and we'll be praying for you. We look forward to seeing you soon.